Rewinding. Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind. First up, though, while well, I made mention of it, I made mention of him. He joins us here in studio. Thank you so much for joining us, Mohamed Bamji. Thank you for having me. It's been a long road and finally I'm here. <laughs> yeah, thank you for coming. I mean, a lot of people will be saying, who? Well, if you, if you look back at that... Uh, at the team that went to Malaysia to represent South Africa. Before that, of course, they had to qualify via the African Under-20 Championships. There was a guy there standing at the back, and we were just looking at the team photo, and that was a young Mohamed Bamji, son of the very famous um, loved. Some loved him, others hated him, but there is no denying that this man had an influence on the game as it exists today. There would be no professional football in South Africa without the influence of uh, the great Abdul Bamji. This is his son and uh, a footballer in his own right. Before we go down memory lane to chat a little bit about what it must have been growing up with such a much-loved, charismatic figure in South African football, talk about your own football. Did you become a professional footballer, Mohammed, because you grew up in football? Uh, I would say growing up, um, all I knew was football. Um, when I opened my eyes, all I knew was South African football. I didn't know anything else. Uh, Manchester United, Liverpool, nothing. All my my weekends were spent in uh, the Den, Ellis Park Stadium, George Gore, uh, Kings Park in Durban, Hartley Vale in Cape Town, uh, always behind my dad, you know. Um, I mean, my heroes were Fanny Madida, Shane McGregor, Dr. Kumalo, Teboho Malloy, uh, the Zayn Musas of this world. Those are my heroes. Those are guys I wanted to be like. So um, my, my life was spent on the football field from small and, and not, not just the football field, a full football field, full stadiums. You know, when we walked in there, what, 60,000, 70,000 people. And that, that, that's where I learned. The, that's what gave me the excitement to say one day I would like to get on these fields and play with 60,000, 70,000 people watching you, you know? Yeah, and, and, and those were the heydays of South African football. And you mentioned some of your mentors or the, some of the people you looked up to, your role models being the, the Fanny Matitas and the Shane McGregors, and those are players that played in uh, the mid to late 80s and uh, early to mid 90s. So you came up a little bit after them and were part of that generation that were playing as professional football started in South Africa in the mid 90s well 1996 through 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 the PSL to be specific and uh, the first club you 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 played for the first professional uh, club you played for the first professional look I started my my career at, at Virgil Juniors um and then we, we got on to make the national under 17 team the national under 17 team that time was coached by Trot Moloto uh, Augusto Palacios was the national coach that time um we a team that was picked uh, that time there was no football academy, so no Chiefs Academy and Pirates. And so it was picked from first you had to make your local district team. Then you had to make the provincial team. Then you go to a tournament where there's a thousand kids and you have to make a national team. And then they only pick 18 to 20. Hmm. And that first national under 17 team, uh, we got, got picked in, in uh, I remember, in the Val. Tell us about some of the names that, that, that were in that team alongside you. Uh, oh, I can remember them. I mean, we had a goalkeeper called Wayne Roberts ah, from Cape Town. Wayne Roberts. Wow. Top-class goalkeeper. We had the guy you just spoke about earlier on, Chapi Motali, down at right back. We had um, Junaid Hartley in the midfield with Shane Morrison. The, the, then uh, Steve Loclea down the right-hand side. We had, uh, I played up front with our captain, um, Delron Barkley. Um, so we had we had a very very strong team, and I think we 
after that Kosafa, after our interprovincial tournament, we got Trot had us for one week. And we went on to win the Kosafa at Orlando Stadium. So just uh, after one, one week, week of being in camp, you played in the Kosafa under, under 17 under and you seven, won it. And we, and we won it. And I think what made it easy for the, the way the team was selected, because you went through different phases. So when you, when you eventually got to your provincial level, you knew uh, the selectors, where were Trot Moloto, where Sheikh Mashaba, where <coughs> Augusto Palacios. You knew everyone sitting there knew that these are the best 1,000 or 1,200 under-17 boys in the country. And all they had to do was pick 20. And they picked the 20, and from there they had to pick the 11, and the rest is history. History won. And, and building up from that under-17 team, most of us went into the under-20 team that gave us that, that, that I mean, it, 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 it felt it true. And it made life easier for Sheikhs because players came through the ranks from under 17 into under 20 and some of some of them went into the very successful under 23 team that went on to breed Brazil in the in the Olympics. Exactly, you know? exactly. It's the home of the Afropolitan, Kai FM 95.9, telling an Afropolitan story as we go down memory lane a bit and, and learn from the past and how that influences the future and the present. Of course, remember, we are grappling with uh, the Bafana Bafana's sadly perennial failure to qualify for major competition. And when we go back to the era of the mid to late 90s, it was taken for granted that Bafana Bafana will qualify for an AFCON, that will qualify for a World Cup. Not the case today, and we're trying to understand what made things so good. Well, you're listening to Mohamed Bamji here. He's talking about the selection criteria, what it took to make an under-17 side that he made, what it took to make an under-20 side, an under-20 side that included the likes of probably one of South Africa's greatest footballers ever, Benny McCarthy would play alongside uh, Mohammed and the rest as they went out to represent the country at Malaysia. So there you are in the under-17 side and uh, you're hoping that uh, um, you will make the under-20s because by the time you guys played in the under-20, I mean, Benny McCarthy was already kind of becoming like a big star in South Africa, if I remember correctly. Uh, there was much being said about him and much expected of him because if I remember correctly, at the 1998 Africa Cup of Nations, which was in Namibia. Already Benny McCarthy starred there, scoring those four goals. So when you're in this team alongside these players, what are you thinking about your own future in professional football? Um, I think for, for myself, I think after making the under-17 and getting to into the under-20, um, I, was, I was snapped up by Morocco Swallows. Uh, that's where I made my debut. Um, the then owner was uh, between Chico Twala and Mr. Ch- uh, Mr. Chabedi, coached by Mike Mangena, Mike Sporo Mangena. And I'll never forget my, my debut. Uh, it was in Venda. Uh, Black Leopards. Black, uh, it was, no, it wasn't against Black Leopards. We, oh. we used to take our, our games to, 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 to Venda. The uh, reason why Mike and Chico used to take it there, I really don't know. <laughs> Uh, I'm trying to remember. But, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> but I, I'll never forget. Um, we used to, it was my debut. So uh, first day we get into the hotel. He tells me, Mohammed, go and bath. I said, but Mike, I've bathed already. He said, no, we've got something in there ah, for you to bath. <laughs> the special bath. The, the one special that's bath. smell. So I'm, 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 I'm 17, 18 years old. I'm a new boy in the team. I said, no, okay, okay, let me just go in there. I threw these things over me. And we had a, a gentleman there called, with Bramai, called Bizad Lamini from Amazulia, was one of the, uh, from Durban, sorry, was one of the coaches. And they did whatever they did. 
We went to the field. I started the game on the bench. It was against Cape Town Spurs. They just had won the league prior. A Cape Town Spurs team filled with Andre Aronsa, Sean Bartlett, David Mudise, Matthew Booth, who I played with in the um, national team, breaking through the ranks. Um, it was a very, very good uh, Cape Town Spurs team. Uh, we were 1-0 down in Venda. It was a night game. And Mike came to me on the side and said, warm up. And I, I just started shivering. I said, I ran, did my warm up. And we won that game 2-1. I scored the winner to make it to make it 2-1. I'll never forget. It was a cross by Russell Molife. Got knocked down by the then um, Jacob Lecheto. Ah, Jacob Lecheto. Jacob Lecheto. Yeah, went on to play in Russia. Yes, with, and, a, with a beautiful uh, left boot. And as it dropped, I saw Andre Aronsa in front of me and boof. And the rest was history. But that, that was my, my debut at Swallows. And I really enjoyed my time at Swallows. And it was just unfortunate at that time... The management structures weren't as it as, as it you know it, it could have been you know, and Swallows were always a team that that pulled crowd. I mean that Toyando Stadium was 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 packed to rafters that night. I'll, I'll never forget it. I even got a yellow card for taking my T-shirt out. But your first goal, 17, 18 years old, and a boy from from Mayfair, which I, I was the only player from at that time, and I mean to 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 go on and and, and play in the professional ranks at that time. Mm-hmm. So it was it was something something great for me. And maybe before we 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 continue with the story of of your football career with that promising start, which maybe didn't reach the expectations that you would have had for yourself, it's uh, probably best for us just to pause and talk a little bit about what you're alluding to, a young boy from Mayfair. If you're just joining us, uh, almost twenty past eight on the home of the Afropolitan, talking to Mohammed Bamji, a footballer in his own right, but also the son of a man who will always be remembered in South African football for the contribution that he made and 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 always a figure who some loved and others hated but certainly a, a man who in, influenced south african football to where it would be today i mean were it not for abdul bamji we would not have an fnb stadium possibly and we would not have had the transition from amateur to professional soccer that we later saw a lot of people um will talk today and ask about where are the indian players in South African football. I was talking to um, a, a scholar of the game. We were talking about the Federation um, a couple of weeks ago, Uncle Alan Telling. We we're talking about these teams such as the Blue Bells, whatever happened to those teams that were playing in Indonesia, and whatever happened to the vibrancy of the game within the Indian and colored townships that existed in the Federation days in the 70s and 80s. Um, for you, when you got into that professional football, as you're saying, the, the only boy from Mayfair uh, playing with uh, boys from wherever, Soweto and, and, and other places, um, what, was, it, was it strange for you? I mean, you grew up in football, but did you feel like an outsider? No, like I said, you know, I think my upbringing, in the sense of football upbringing, I was fortunate. Um, I never played um, growing up. Uh, my father never allowed me to play in the Mayfair Leagues. In, he wanted me to go and play in in either a black or a colored or but he wanted me to play with people that are not of my of my of my race. He wanted me. He told me uh, one day he said he said you want to play football. I said yes. He said but you won't play here. You going you know we we, we, all, we all we even created a, a small team while I was playing for Wits mm-hmm. called Mayfair United and we had like twelve boys from Cajiso mm-hmm. and we had. Three Indian boys was myself and, and two of my friends, you know, that, that play with us. And so he got me used to that environment to say, 
this is the type of, of people you have to deal with. This is the type of... So when I got into a Morocco Swallow changing room or... Uh, when a, you have to national, do Muti, what, what? You know... <laughs> You're already used to it. <laughs> no, no, maybe not used to, no, maybe not used to the Muti, but mixing to me yeah. was, 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 was nothing, you know? Um, so that, that was one of, I think, the, the plus factors that, that I had is I wasn't, I wasn't afraid to mix. I wasn't afraid to, to, to go in there and, 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 you know, and, 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 and throw my weight around. And that, that was it. Yeah. yeah. And I guess we'll talk a little bit about um, your involvement in football currently and in the future because certainly you will have an opinion on, on where or, or, or if at all we can encourage Indian youngsters to get involved in the game again. I'm always watching the game and there are some strong teams down in KZN and in, in, in places like, uh, like Chatsworth, but we aren't seeing that many in numbers as we used to see uh, back in the day. Is, would it be possible? It's 20 past eight on Kai FM 95.9. When we come back, you'll tell us more of the story. Uh, Mohammed Bamji, we continue the conversation, his own professional career, and then he'll tell us perhaps some of the wonderful stories that only he knows because he grew up around soccer royalty as football was forming after the years of isolation in South Africa. Stay tuned. It's The Home Straight. The Home Straight. The Home Straight. Kaya FM 95.9. 20 past 8 on Kai FM 95.9. You're tuned into the home straight and we are going down memory lane a little bit trying to learn from the past and see how we can influence uh, our present day football and into the future. Don't forget that the Soweto Derby is coming up this weekend. And uh, oh, just remember that uh, back then with the Soweto Derbies and big games, it would be Abdul Bamji in every newspaper, loved by newsmen because he gave wonderful quotes and, uh, of course, on TV and radio as well. Uh, Stay tuned because uh, you could win yourself some tickets to watch Kaiser Chiefs against Orlando Pirates and uh, find out a little bit more about the Absa Red Zone where you'll be hosted for the big Soweto derby. 086 is where you can give us a ring if you want to share your thoughts and maybe you have some particular memories of a young Muhammad when he was a player or you have even more likely some memories of uh, Abdul Bamji. So Muhammad, I mean, you make that wonderful debut for for Morocco Swallows and you're playing in the national under-17 side. You play in that under-20 side that goes to Malaysia and uh, then your football career was looking bright. But it didn't quite pan out exactly as you had hoped because if we look at some of the players you played alongside, they went on to achieve more than, than you will have. Yeah, that, that's very true. I think uh, after leaving Morocco Swallows, I, I moved on to, to many Rangers. And um, one many Rangers, they just had become the, the Premier League champions. Uh, they had George Comanche, Rakas, uh, Kieran Jordan, Simon Makubela. Gordon Ingerson in charge. Gordon Ingerson was in charge. Um, uh, a gentleman I hold a lot of respect for, uh, got, got hold of me, Mr. Afzal Khan, which I, I mean, still today I'm in contact with him. And he said, you know what, come here. And like you, like you spoke about, yeah, there's no Indian boy around here in Durban that's playing. You'll get the crowd behind you. Uh, you'll get you playing. And I looked at it and I said, okay, you know, the club is stable. They've just won the league. Swallows are going through a bit of, you know, financial difficulties. And when you're 18 and you're thinking like this, you say, okay, you know, moving away to Durban. Why not, you know? Um, and at that stage also, a um, few, few months later, I, I also got, got married, you know? So I, I moved on to, 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 to Durban. 
got into Manning Rangers and also to break into the Manning Rangers team that just won the league wasn't That's easy. Difficult. It wasn't easy, you know. Mm. And and truth be told, uh, I had uh, my roommate uh, at, at, for a while was Teboho Malloy and a gentleman I played with as well as Percival Molotani. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. both of, both, all three of us were from, from Joburg. So um, I, I, I stood very close to Teboho until today. I, I learned a lot from him. And, you know, we, I think myself and Gordon Ingerson, our styles were two different styles. Um, but being saying, being that, whatever the coach wants of you, you got to put it out. And I did a few games. I played for many Rangers. I came on. I did very well. And the next day, you find yourself on the bench. You find yourself not playing after six, you know, seven. And you're a young man. And you're a young man. You're getting frustrated. Uh, you're asking yourself what you're doing wrong. Um, and you know, you, you, what's the best thing for a youngster then? Let's look for the next move. Let's look for the next move. And I think if you just look at my career, I think that was one of my biggest downfalls. And I, I mean, I don't want to sit here and, and blaming every coach and, and things. You know, the first person I always say and I always tell my players that I coach is you blame the person in the mirror. And, and that's yourself first, you know. So I, I looked at it and I said, I think one of my biggest downfalls, was I didn't have patience. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, saw, I saw Benny going overseas. I saw Delron doing this. I'm not thinking, oh, Maybe it's just not my time. Maybe I need to get my game time here. Get my time might be a year or two later. But as a youngster, you're not thinking like that. You know, you 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 also chasing that chasing that big Do, dream. The guys I'm playing with are all going overseas. What's happening to what, me? What's happening to me? And you know, we, we we play together. I don't see a difference. Everything is there. What's happening to me? Am I just not getting a chance? And you know, then you start blaming a coach. Then you start blaming the style. And then you know. Then Afzal moved to, the gentleman I spoke to, Afzal Khan, he moved to, to Santos. And he said, Mohammed, come there, you'll play regular uh, Cape Town. You know, they, they like to play youngsters. And I said, okay, this is another opportunity. You know, I can get games under my belt. Uh, and, you know, truth be told, that was one of the best, best pre-seasons I had at Manning Rangers. And just after that, Afzal had left Manning Rangers and said, I want to take you with. And myself and Peter Philander, you know, from who then played for Hellenic. And I said, Peter, what are we going to do? And he said, let's go for it. Peter is a Cape Town boy. Santos had just come up from the, from the then NFD. You know, it's a chance. And But not thinking, does the Cape Town style suit my football? Mm. You know? um, and I, I went to Cape Town and I got a few games under my belt at Santos. Uh, but still not what I was looking for, you know, and... And things things just didn't get get right again. You play two two good games. You sit on the bench for six seven games. Things you know, coaches change. Everything happens. But and then I made the the, the Joburg move to to Sundowns to Mamelodi Sundowns. Sundowns. Yes, I remember you know? that. Yeah. Uh, um, and I always tell under, people under Kamondi. Well, no, the first the first, the coach that signed me was Coach Clemens Vestov. Okay. Yes. Clemens Vestov signed me at Sundowns. And Clemens Westhoff got signed a sect not long after. You know the Sundown story. I was at Sundown. <laughs> Especially back I was then. at Sundown for two, three years. I think I was coached by Clemens Westhoff, Ted Dimitro, Bondarenko, Shane McGregor, Neil Tovey, um, Paul Dolaza. You know. Um, so as a player, you coach by five, six different coaches, and you, you just you just can't settle because every coach has got a different style. And but one one coach I, I I fell in love with as a coach and I still rate him as the best foreign coach. There's two coaches I rate foreign coaches that have made a difference in South African football, and I just feel right to meet him at a much younger age, 
something else would have also happened was the late Ted Dimitro. Ah, beautiful. Uh, top coach. We, we, I interviewed him here plenty times. Top coach. Uh, the type of training till today in my coaching, I, I use his methods. And I mean, I, I always say I met Ted when I was 22, 23, you know, at Sundowns. You know, if, if I have to meet him at 16, 17, when I was making my Morocco Swallows debut, I think we might have been singing a different song, you know. Mm. Uh, and one other coach that I, I, I love to bet says as a foreign coach, and I think he, he, he a lot of people... Like you say, some dislike him, some don't like him. And I feel he made a massive difference to South African football when it came to international was uh, Professor Augusto Palacios. Um, I think when he came and he brought in the training kits, the different style that, that, that you know, the professionalism that we didn't have uh, in the apartheid. And so these are two foreign coaches I feel that, 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 that really helped in my career. Yeah, and, and, of course, and of course then afterwards you moved on to be a coach yourself. And yeah. I mean, we'll talk about that, but for me, what... You know, when I look at this, as you say, uh, bouncing around to different clubs, searching for that elusive um, stability that will get you to that overseas move. Uh, but the influence of your father, I mean, you speak so passionately about growing up with your father, one of the foremost football um, figures in South African football, Abdul Bamji. But at that time, he wasn't around. Yeah. He, he was in prison for those years. And... I mean, did you miss his influence, his guiding influence to maybe he could have given you some advice that you needed that a son can only get from his father? I, I think what, what a lot of people don't know is um, when, when he went in, I made the national under-17 team. And I'll, I'll never forget this day. Um, I, was 60, I was one of the youngest in the under-17 national team, myself and Jappi. It was Orlando Stadium. It was a packed Orlando Stadium. Our first game of the tournament. Um, and... Uh, you know, the press, how people are, whatever they read, they believe. And at 15, at 16 years old, I got sworn at left, right and center from the supporters asking me, where's this, where's this, you stole this, you did this, you did that. Mm -hmm. And I still ended up highest goal scoring at under 17 national tournament. And I think that tournament and that abuse I received that time made me a man, made me realize that I can, I, I can go through anything. And that's what I carry till today, you know, and... Uh, yes, not having him at crucial times really, really, I mean, well, I, and I was fortunate enough, I had, I had uncle in FIFA, I had family I could talk yes. to, I had brothers and sisters. But there's one thing my father always taught me is he, he, he spoke, but he never forced. He made me go in there, burn my fingers. From there, I'll, I'll see what's right and wrong. And, he, and, and that made me a man. And that's what I carry on till today. And that's what I put on to my players and to my children is you, you don't give up. You go in there. If you burn your fingers, you keep you keep knocking on the door, you know. Mm. But you 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 you're spot on, you know. There's certain moments that that maybe could have assisted me in not jumping ship after ship after ship, and you know. Are that. you are you a little bit bitter maybe when you look back on on those times, just from the the point of view of your family, maybe how South Africa treated your family, given given um, the influence that your that your father had in South African football, and how after things went ugly, then now it was all his fault and he was involved in it and we weren't yeah. do, you, do you ever think about that does it matter look for for me um i i know and i think the people listening know what what myself what my father did for south african football to you know what he did for south african football um he laid the platform he i mean I, i'll never forget he, one day we said i always went to ask him dad about football and he told me my boy i have three dreams for south africa and I was a youngster. Until today, I, this is what keeps me going in the game. He said, one is to give our own people our own home. I'm tired of going to these rugby people 
and going to use their stadiums and they're charging us this and and cricket, they say when you can play yeah, and when we can play and cricket and cricket and rugby those times we used to call them Mickey Mouse sports because football used to used to fill the stadium he used to do that in the media yeah, as well used to call them <laughs> Mickey Mouse sports because we football used to fill rugby stadiums so one I want to build our own home and he, and he did that South African for AE two and what people don't know he says I want to open the door back for South Africa to get into international football and three I want to make us world champions. And till I promise you, he believed it deep in his heart that South Africa has the ability to be world champions. And I, I, whatever happened, whatever they blamed, whatever they, whoever did, whatever, for me, I just feel everyone else involved, instead of taking our football 20 years forward today, we have gone 20 years backwards. Mm-hmm. And these are three, three of his dreams that he's had. And the second one which I spoke about was the getting us back into national football. It was, we were kicked out of international football at 1976 by FIFA. And in 1985, he went to FIFA with no meeting. Joe Havelan, who was then the president of FIFA. The Uruguayan. Yeah, uh, Brazilian. He was Brazilian, Brazilian yes. yes. Uh, Seb Blatter was the general secretary. Mm-hmm. He went there with no appointment. With his own money from, our, from his sports shop. Got a ticket to Switzerland. He knocked on the door. He said, he said, I want a meeting with the president. He said, you can't come. Who are you? And his exact words was, I'm a black man from South Africa. I'm here to see Mr. Havilland. He said, no, no, you are banned from sports. You can't. Eventually after, they said, okay, meet us at the restaurant. They gave the restaurant. And that's how the doors opened. Remember our first televised World Cup was Italia 90. I remember watching it. never it. just fell from the sky. People need to ask how it got here. Hmm. Who was the ma- mastermind be- behind getting us Italia 90? And those were the doors he opened us to FIFA. So when he left, he left our South African bosses with a, I always say, with a Ferrari, with a full tank. All they had to do was press the accelerator and move us in the right direction to make us world champions. Mm. But pretty, they put the car in reverse and we're going backwards. Mm. It's KFM 95.9. You're listening to the home of the Afropolitan. It really is a magnetic story being told by Mohammed Bamji, the son of Abdul Bamji and well he needs no introduction to South African football many of us will have uh, seen him on our TV screens and read about him in the newspaper when we were just young football lovers especially during the 80s and uh, early 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 90s as South Africa returned to the world of uh, to to the sporting world again after the those years of sporting isolation and 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 and, and even after all of that you still remain in football. Um, you've had your, your, your professional career. And why did you, you choose to, to stay in football after, after all of this? Because, I mean, it can't have been easy to not be a player. Okay, when you're a player, it's one thing. A coach can look at you and say, uh, Mohammed can give me this. I need this to win the game. But now when you're now moving out and you being an administrator, a coach or whatever, you do carry your, your father's name, which is... A blessing in some cases, it might open doors, but it can also be a curse and say, ay, 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 this one is coming with trouble. Yeah. So why did you choose to stay in football? Look, in 2003, when I, while I was at Sundowns, I, I started coaching our local team in, in, in Mayfair called Mayfair FC. And I said, okay, if, 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 if maybe playing is not my, my, my road forward, but I think with the knowledge I've got from playing, with the knowledge I've learned, with the coaches I've played under, 
and with the biggest leader I have and the biggest role model I had in administration, my dad, I can turn coaching into something great. I can maybe help the future kids coming out. And the dream he spoke about, why can't I deliver it? And that, that till today, what drives me in coaching. I coach young kids. I work at, uh, firstly, in, in the day I work at a school called Greenside Primary. And a lovely school, you know. I coach kids there from four years old all the way up to 13. And then we run Josie Stars Football Academy from mm-hmm. seven to 19. But it, I, when I stopped playing, I didn't say, um, because I'm Abdul's son, because I've played professional, I'm entitled to this job. I made sure I go and educate myself. Mm-hmm. I made sure I get all my coaching license, my physical training, my, whatever it needs to top myself up to be a coach. And tomorrow people can't say you've got this job because of this. I made sure I educate. And I made sure when I start coaching, I had, we had a senior team in Mayfair, but I said I want to coach the senior team and I want to coach the under sixes because I want to learn from under six to senior the stages of development. Mm-hmm. Yes, it, I'm, I'm coaching now for 13, 14 years and I'm learning those devel- and I'm still learning every day. But I'm confident enough tomorrow if a job comes, I can answer all these questions because I've, I, I've put myself from the, from the bottom all the way to go up. And what drives me is my father's dream, which I believe, told, I still believe sitting here with all the politics we have in our country, we still can be world champions. When I say that to people, people say that's pie in the sky. We had Babam Tetwa here and I said to him, can you do me a favor? Just um, act like you're commentating on Bafana Bafana versus Brazil in a World Cup quarterfinal. They all laughed. Ha, that's never going to happen. But what makes you believe that uh, we, we still, because those three dreams of your father's you spoke about, our own home, A, the FNB Stadium now exists, the great uh, Calabash, which hosted the World Cup final. So that is checked. Uh, number two, South Africa returning to... Uh, FIFA and uh, world football that happened so the one that remains outstanding is South Africa becoming world champs and struggling just to qualify for an Africa Cup of Nations suggests that that may not be possible so what leads you to believe as a coach now dealing with youngsters that that we have what it takes to to ascend those very 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 lofty heights Look, dealing with the youngster, I mean, you, you played a, a, a clip uh, earlier on, on a young Kune, a young Kule from Sundowns. Believe me, we have, I mean, like I said, I've, I work with young kids and the talent we have in this country is, 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 is second to none. But when our boys reach 18 or 17 to 23, we sometimes fall away. There's certain parts of our development that we, we, we're not up there. And for me personally, I think it's one, our coaches get chopped and changed too much. Two, I think our foreign coaches, I'm sorry to say this, that come into this country, are taking our football for a ride. We, we're getting Many third to fourth grade international coaches, third or fourth grade, not even your top grade coaches that are coming here and are taking our country for a ride when they are much better cl- local coaches. But when local coaches are given a chance, they're not given a fair chance. They're not given the same budget as a foreign coach is given. They are just... They are just there to, waiting to get fired and say, oh, I gave you a chance. And a, and a very good friend of mine, a man I played with, is proving that now in Benny McCarthy. You know, when I watch Cape Town City play and I watch him on TV, I say, you know what, Benny's got something going here because he's playing the kids on merit. He's playing young kids. He's got them playing for them. And he's, if you look at the, 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 the Cape Town City team, they've got all nationalities playing. You know, it's a true reflection of a, of a true South Africa. It reminded me of Clive Barker's 96 team where it had every, every race playing there. And all, even our stadiums were full with every race coming to support our people. So if our 
federations, our local LFAs can stop worrying about each LFA being a power struggle. And let's all start singing one song and have the welfare of football at heart. Not the welfare of, oh, this LFA is doing this. And this. Mm. let's have food because f- football is for all of us. It's not for one. South African football is for all of us. Let's have South African football's welfare at our, for everybody, not fighting and bickering and politics. And I promise you we can take this, our football, to the next level. Mm. 20 to 9 on KFM 95.9. What a conversation. I mean, we could be here all night as we're talking to Mohamed Bamji, talking about his own vision for football, a vision he shares with the, his father, Abdul Bamji, who, of course, uh, was one of the forefathers of uh, professional football in South Africa as it looks today. Uh, when we come back, uh, he will... Uh, he will tell us about he's he's come in here and he's got all these wonderful scrapbooks of newspaper clippings some written by the likes of Cy Lerman others by a very very young Mark Gleason and others um, uh, Thomas Quenaite who were writing about football way back when so perhaps there's some history to be garnered from from those 0860009059 if you want to talk to the man or perhaps go down memory lane and share one or two memories you have of his father 0860009059 you can also find me on twitter at Musi whitehead stay tuned because coming up towards the end of the show we'll hear from a young man his name is live pele he is uh, a sensation in athletics he's look he looks up to wait for nikerka but says that he hopes to better wait for Nikak. I just love it. He hopes to become the first man to run 42 seconds for 400 meters. We'll hear from him as well as his, his mother, Beverly, who is one of his great supporters. Stay tuned. We're back in a little bit with the home straight. This Thursday, Kaya FM brings you a special three-hour broadcast of Today with John Pullman from 6 to 9 p.m. for the 2019 State of the Nation Address. Regular programming will continue online on kayafm.co.za. Listen to Home with Mapaseka at 7 p.m. as well as Life with Koja Bofol at 8 p.m. Streaming live on kayafm.co.za. Kaya FM, the print and black coffee present. It's New Year's Eve in Atijville, and Lefa and Papi need to make a quick buck. It's the last day of the year. Could this be the last day of this friendship? Now available in cinemas nationwide. Kaya, Kaya FM. The Home Straight. The Home Straight. Kaya FM 95.9. Just uh, going for 9 o'clock here on Kai FM 95.9. Almost uh, 20 to 9, you're giving us your calls on 0860009059. Kai, hello. Good evening, how are you? Well, well, and you, my brother? Uh, I'm all right, I can't complain. Mm, who are we speaking to? You're speaking to Tabo. Tabo? Yes, sir. Mohammed is listening. Share your thoughts with us. Uh, three quick thoughts from my side. Uh, Firstly, I must commend Mohammed for, for coming on to your show because a lot of shows interview the so-called legends of South, Af- South African sport um, in terms of what they've done, etc., etc. And based on what I've heard 
and so I, I know a bit of the history in terms of what his his father has done. You know, really do appreciate that. You know, um, there's there's pros and cons to to every story, but um, I always look at the good and and what what an individual contributes to the greater cause. So um, I personally do appreciate what his father has done for South African sport going forward. But the point that I was trying to make was. We generally hear a lot about legends and what they've done, et cetera, et cetera, the guys who've reached the pinnacle of sport. And not to be condescending, but based on, on what I've heard, he has yet to reach that pinnacle. But based on what I've heard, I've, I've got faith and I've got belief that he'll get there, whether it's at coaching level, administrator level, at a management level, his, his head is screwed on right. All right, thank you, thank you, Tabo. We'll take we'll, we'll take one more on our oh eight six double zero double zero nine five nine. Kai, hello. Oh, we we we've still got Tabo. Okay, well, I mean, you've heard that 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 point there, um, uh, Mohammed, that. Uh, he appreciates the fact that at least uh, we're talking about people that have contributed to South African uh, sports, whether they were loved or not. Um, and that uh, he feels that uh, your father um, uh, made a difference and he's hoping that uh, uh, the same can happen to you. Kai FM, hello? Kai, hello? Ah, we've lo- we've lost them. So, but um, I mean, you, you, you've heard, uh, you've heard uh, Tabo's inputs and I mean, your thoughts? Thank Tabo for, for those, for those kind words and, um, it's good to, to, to the other people out there that have the belief and confidence in me that, that I can, can make it at some level in South Africa. And I hope the, the big guns in our football are listening and let's stop rotating coaches and rotating administrators and let's look within because your, 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 your answer might just be close to your nose. Mm. We'll take one more on 0860000959. You can give your thoughts uh, to Muhammad. And as we do that, you've shared with us, um, I mean, your dream. But you've got that um, that wonderful, those scrapbooks of all the history and all the all the clippings. And I guess it's a it's a good point of departure because that's something that might need. like a documentary on the life of Abdul Bamji and his contribution to South African football. Because he's now very much become kind of anonymous in South African public life, not much is said about him and it's very difficult to even find books. There's one decent one written by um, by Simon Cooper and you have to go and find all those old articles. How would you like your, your father to be remembered? Um, for me, from what I've grown up and all the articles I've read and the struggle he, he, he fought to get us where we are, I simplify it as the Nelson Mandela of football. And I know people might challenge me, but I think he's the Nelson Mandela of football. He's laid the foundation and let's, let's make it work, people. Let's make it work. For me, that's, that's, that's how, if I have to sum it up, it's the Nelson Mandela of football. And yourself, what can we look forward to from Mohammed in the next uh, five years when you come back here for an interview? Look, Mohammed will keep working hard, whether it's my job at Greenside Primary, my job at Josie Stars. Mohammed will keep working hard. Mohammed will keep educating himself and keep trying to produce young players until one of the PSL teams come and say, I'm ready, but I'm not going to wait for them. I'm going to keep working hard at, at, this, at, at my grassroots level, keep trying to get better. So when that call comes, I'm ready to go. And 
I, I search and I believe that we will be world champions and I'm sure I'll be part of that team. Ah, beautiful. I love the faith and hope. Uh, we've got so many people calling us on 086-00-00959. Donald Matipa of the Tembisa Street Mile also waiting on the line. Let's squeeze one more in. Hello, Kaya. Hi, how are you? Well, well and you, my brother. Good, thanks. Can I put me through to speak to Mohammed? Mohammed is listening. Who are we speaking to, my brother? Speaking to General, he knows me as Jim, but that's my <laughs> former coach, right? <laughs> General, is he a good coach? Excellent. Ah, you have to say it on the radio. <laughs> I'm joking. Yes. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Coach, how's it? Jemba, Jemba, how are you, boy? I'm um, excellent, Coach. How are you? Good. Nice to hear your voice. Ned, Vusi told me that you, you live. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> uh, I just need to tell the, the viewers out there that you're one of the sterling coaches that I know of. Some of us are what we are in terms of where we are in life, discipline-wise, character-wise, because I was 14 when I met you. You helped me shake me. Today, I, I'm not smoking. I'm not drinking. All because it would be Friday night. It would be at gym. Where my pen would be running around. If I may say so, I was ass off <laughs> thinking about the game. Thinking about the game for the next day. So if we lost, oh, Lord. Guys will, uh, our guys will attest to it. That you, you, you are not the guy that doesn't like losing, if I may say so. Because you appreciate the game and you respect the game so much, you you've always given it your all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, thanks for the call, Jenga. Look after yourself. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, a beautiful call, and we've got lots more. Unfortunately, we are out of time here on KFM 95.9. Mohammed will have to come back. We'll have to continue the story, <laughs> and we'll have to share some of those wonderful scrapbooks we didn't even get into. Uh, all of that beautiful stuff uh, that he brought to share with us. Um, just taking us down memory lane of um, some of the work that his father did for South Africa um, before things, uh, well, unfortunately didn't end well. But uh, like it or not, there would be no NSL without uh, Abdul Bamji. And the NSL, of course, gave birth to the PSL and it is the foundation of South African professional football in South Africa. Whoever will play for Bafana Bafana in that World Cup qualifier um, that will then take us to Qatar. Whoever will play for Bafana Bafana in that uh, AFCON qualifier against Libya in March, most of them will have played in the PSL and they wouldn't have been a PSL were it not for the, shall I say, very ambitious dreams of an Abdul Bamji. Rewinding. Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind. Visit kayafm.co.za for more.